Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of What Does the Bible Say About? Today we're going to be looking at the question, What Does the Bible Say About Women Holding Public Office in the Civil Government? Or to restate the question a bit, in what way do the biblical principles of male headship apply to women holding office in the civil government? That's the, the main question. Do the do the principles of male headship apply to the civil government? Now, before we answer that question, I want to address male headship in a bit uh, more broad context, because it's really the whole thing, all of male headship, the, the biblical principle in general that is under attack uh, today. So we need to address it um, first in the family, then in the church, and I think that will help us to understand its application to the civil government. So first, without question, the New Testament teaches, and we find this actually all throughout the Bible, uh, Old and New Testaments, uh, the, the Bible clearly teaches that within the home, the man is the head of the household. Um, this is taught very clearly in the passages of of the epistles, particularly where Paul addresses the different relationships, uh, the different relationships between a man and his wife. So, for instance, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter five, a woman is supposed to submit to her husband as to the Lord, and the the husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And so, in terms of the relationship between the two, uh, the woman's role in terms of her relation to her husband is like the church, and there is submission required because she's not the head. And a husband is in the position of Christ with relationship to his wife and because he is, in fact, the head. And he must serve her, love her, lay his life down for her, but he does have uh, authority uh, over her. So that's something that's clearly taught in the Bible. Now, this then does carry over into the church as well. So, for instance, we have in 1 Timothy chapter 2, also 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talking about the principles of male headship and then applies it the idea of, of a man being ahead of the of the woman, he applies it directly to the church. And so particularly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, towards the end there, he'll say that he does not permit a, a, man, a woman to have authority over a man. And then he grounds that in creation, which we'll come back to. And then he goes on to in chapter 3 then to discuss the qualifications of elders and deacons, the implication being that these are the, the roles and offices that have authority within the church. And then in the context with 1 Timothy chapter 2, we would say then that women cannot hold those offices because uh, he, Paul has said he does not permit a woman to have authority within uh, the church, authority over a man within the church. Uh, and so uh, that those are the basic principles, that within the, the family and within the church, uh, there is this principle of male headship such that men are the, to be the ones that have uh, authority. Now, there are some who will say that this authority that a man has over a woman is something that the Bible um, teaches, and some will even say that it's good in some ways, but that it's it's not a reflection of God's good creation, but it's rather a result of sin, and in some ways an accommodation to sin, and it could be a good accommodation, but it's an accommodation to the situation of sin. However, as I mentioned with 1 Timothy chapter 2, immediately after Paul says that he does not permit a woman to have authority over a man, he actually grounds the reasoning for that, and we see the same thing in 1 Corinthians 11, he actually grounds that in the doctrine of creation itself. Not in the fall, but actually in creation, which means that the idea of male headship 
and even its application within the church, as that's the, the context of 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy 2, the, even in those areas, uh, these things are grounded in creation, and therefore, male headship is a part of God's good creation. Male headship was established before the fall, and when God said that everything was very good at the end of the sixth day, in terms of his creation, the summary of his creation, that would have included the establishment of the relationship between man and woman, with the man being uh, the head over his wife. Uh, so uh, male headship is, in fact, something that is rooted in creation and is, in fact, good. And to dismiss male headship, then, would be um, sinful and a, a perversion of the way in which God has uh, created things. It's it's actually it's a sinful rebellion, but it's also going to lead to, to great problems, as we're seeing um, today. Problems not just for men, but even more particularly for women. It, it's not actually good for them uh, to uh, to deny these these principles. So, uh, given these things, then what would we say then about its application to the civil government? Well, I, I think these these principles would say that there should be a strong presumption in favor of these things being applied to the civil government. There there are certain there are certain similarities between the church and the civil government. Uh, both are made up of the basic unit of the family, wherein male headship is. Uh, recognize and the recognition of the male headship in the basic unit, the family, then gets applied to the the greater society as a whole, such that then there are just as there are male leaders within the home, so there's going to be male leaders within the church, and we would assume then that that would apply as well to the civil government, which is made up in the same way, the family being the basic unit, and then it uh, growing to a larger society where there, there needs to be some kind of leadership that governs the whole. And we'd expect them, the male headship to apply to this as well. And this is, in fact, what we find when we look at the scriptures uh, as a whole. Um, you know, we, we could say that going all the way back to Abraham, there's clearly male headship. This, that is in the context of the family. But once those families grow to become an entire nation under Moses, we see the same principles of male headship. So Moses is a man. The elders whom he appoints are men. The judges he appoints appear to be men. Uh, Joshua after him is a man. Uh, all of the judges after Joshua, except for one, which we'll come back to, uh, who's Deborah, uh, it, are men. All of the kings, except for the exception of one queen, Athaliah, which again we'll come back to, uh, are all men. And so overwhelmingly it appears to be that the teaching of scripture and at least all of the clear examples of everything that's good in terms of uh, application of male headship to the civil government, all examples of good government are always with uh, men in those positions, which again would, would be what we would expect uh, in light of uh, the relationship between the family and the civil government and the principles of male headship in the scriptures. Now, if we turn back then to those two uh, potential exceptions, Deborah and Athaliah, we'll take them in turn. They're somewhat different. Um, first, with Deborah, we have to recognize that there's at least something that is um, not really a not a perfect example of an exception with regard to women serving within the civil government because she's not only a judge, but she is also uh, a prophetess. And uh, we recognize with, with regard to um, the church and with regard to the spiritual office of prophet that that is actually not something that was restricted only to men. And there was a theological reason for that. Um, God did not want his word or the authority of his word to rest in any way on the instrument that's communicating to it, in, in the sense of ultimately, ultimately the authority, the word is not the word of the king, it's not the word of some noble person, it is the word of God, and 
for that reason and that reason alone, it is to be received as such. And so in order to highlight this, God would choose people indiscriminately uh, to be prophets or even prophetesses, and even one time uh, choosing even an animal to speak his word in the case of uh, Balaam's donkey, to, just to show that God can use anyone and he's going to communicate his words. And w in whatever capacity you find that, um, in the context of prophecy, you need to receive it as the word of God because of that reason. Um, so with Deborah, she is a prophetess, and so in that way she has a kind of authority that is uh, legitimate that we would recognize, uh, but it's a bit different than civil authority within the government. And even there in that story, there is still a recognition of uh, civil uh, of, of male headship within the civil government because she actually commands another, a man, who is leading the armies of God's people, Barak, to uh, attack the, the enemy's of God's people. However, in a mark of uh, lack of leadership on his part, he actually says that he won't do it without her. And I think this is meant to be meant to be seen in uh, the book of Judges as a weakness for um, for him in particular and for the nation of Israel as a whole. Uh, one of the things that is actually a great theme in the book of Judges is that those who are the leaders of God's people often fail in various ways. And so if we go to the book where the leaders are often failing, um, to find our, our examples of uh, positive examples of uh, women uh, serving with uh, civil authority, uh, it would seem to be that that would not be the, the best way to do that. Um, so uh, the book of Judges does contain that one example. Deborah herself seems to say, you know, you as a man need to go do this. The, the man is unwilling to do it, which shows his own uh, weakness. Now with Athaliah, we have the only other example uh, that I'm aware of, of, of women uh, who are holding in a, a place of authority over uh, men. She becomes the queen of uh, Israel. But but here as well, there is, um, it's quite a, a negative example. It, it could be really the uh, uh, one of the, the most negative examples you could think of. She seems to be one of the most wicked people in all of, of the Bible. Um, in terms of those within the royal family, she would certainly rival Jezebel, whom she's related to. So um, she was you know, known for uh, coming to power uh, illegitimately, trying to kill all of the line of, of David in order to squash out um, that line. So she was the queen, rather, of, of Judah. I think I said Israel earlier. Um, she's trying to squash out that entire line. She ends up being uh, killed. Uh, because of her wickedness when Joash uh, ends up being able to take uh, the throne. So she's obviously not a good example, not someone you'd point to, and could in some ways be the exception that proves the rule. She's the only example of a royal figure who's a woman over Israel or Judah, and uh, overwhelmingly was a, a bad example. And so for all these reasons, I think we can say that within the civil government, uh, it is better for uh, men to serve and to use their uh, the gifts that God has given to them for the sake of the protection of women and children. Uh, now, when I say these things, I, I recognize that many people will per perhaps will hear it and say, well, you know, this sounds awfully misogynistic. It sounds like you hate women. Uh, you think women are inferior, this or that. Uh, but really, that's not at all what I'm saying. Men are to use their positions of authority for the sake of the benefit of women. And if they do that well, then obviously uh, women will benefit. And I'm not even saying that men are better at everything than women, and therefore men should serve in these roles. There are quite a number of things. that One, I should say there are some things that men are better at than women, and there are a lot of things that women are far better at than men. Uh, far better at. There are. I'm, I'm not even saying with, with all these things that women um, shouldn't serve in important 
um, jobs within uh, the, the within um, society or within the economy. There are certain sectors of the economy that are dominated by women, and rightfully so. They can do uh, some of the things that that they can do are they can do far better than men can. Uh, and so I'm not trying to to, to uh, say anything against women in general. What I am saying is that God is, has made men and women differently. He's made men and women differently, and when we recognize those differences and allow men to carry out the roles that God has given to them well, according to the gifts that God has given to them well, in the areas that God has given them to do those things, and if we let women do the same in the areas that God has gifted them, the whole society will function better. When we try to confuse these two things, it's actually both groups that suffer. Now, the reason for this question is because it came up in the context of the question of whether or not uh, Christians should support the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett, and uh, or even more generally, in what ways could someone who is in Justice Amy Coney Barrett's position um, still apply the principles of uh, male headship? Now, I, and this is where the, the, the response gets to be a bit nuanced. I don't think that it's ultimately possible for um, Justice Amy Coney Barrett to apply the principles of, of male headship in a way that would be biblically consistent uh, and serving on, uh, on uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, however, the question of whether or not a Christian should support her uh, is, I think, needs to be far more nuanced. Uh, she appears to be one who is um, very competent, uh, very intelligent, clearly knows a lot about law. She um, seeks to uphold the Constitution, recognizes religious liberty, and she even herself seems to, to agree with the principles of male headship in a general way, though perhaps she wouldn't apply it um, to the civil government as, as I've been arguing for. Now, if someone like that is put on the Supreme Court, there are ways in which we can say like, well, there are things that are inconsistent with the scriptures. Sure. Uh, but we do not live in a country where there is probably ever going to be perfect consistency with the scriptures. But I think as Christians, we need to be careful um, not to demand perfect consistency with the scriptures before we lend our support to something. It would be It's far better for someone like a Ju Justice Amy Coney Barrett to be on the Supreme Court than, say, a man to be on the Supreme Court who denies the principles of male headship in every sphere of life, who is not going to read the Constitution in a way that in any way reflects the words of the Constitution or whatever, uh, and who will not support religious liberty or, or those kinds of things, or you know, do, will, will call uh, good evil and evil good. It's far better for us to have a woman who will do those things well and who will recognize even male headship in some ways uh, than, than otherwise. So I think the, the principle I think that Christians should uh, take and apply to this particular situation is we rejoice whenever there is a movement towards greater biblical consistency. And if there are ways in which we're moving uh, towards greater biblical consistency, where there are still maybe some areas that need some work, uh, we can recognize that and maybe pray that things would get better and better. But I think we need to recognize that it's it's ultimately good uh, for things to move in a positive direction and not to demand uh, perfection uh, immediately. So anyway, hopefully this has been helpful to you. It's quite a, a difficult topic to uh, address, but we do pray that, that God would bless those who are in power and that they would rule righteously. And we do pray even for the good of their uh, of their uh, rule, their reign, uh, that God would grant them wisdom. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to be uh, in uh, the civil government. So uh, that's it for this episode of What Does the Bible Say About? Tune in next week as we discuss uh, another question.
Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast as it will help out our uh, podcast channel and make the teachings of the Word of God more widely available. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find out more at our website at newcovopcssf.com. That's N-E-W-C-O-V-O-P-C-S-S-F.com.